When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. On Monday Night Football, you're the only game in town. That means if anybody wants to watch a little NFL action on their Monday evening, it's you or old reruns, I suppose. Well, the Chiefs and the Raiders gave us all plenty to talk about, and the third team involved even did their part in terms of providing the storylines. We will talk about, oh, so very much here tonight. Really, four teams, you could argue, who gave us something to talk about if you want to extend it to the broadcast booth as well. 30-29, to 29, the final score. The Chiefs rise to 4-1, and one, and... I just don't know where on earth you would, if you were going to set this game up straight and just say, all right, where's the head, knees, and toes of this game? What matters the most? All I would say is that if you tackle it to the ground, you do it gently. I am Joshua Briscoe. This is Times R's Nate Taylor here as well. Seth Kaiser, we expect to uh, to join in progress, much uh. like the Chiefs uh, offense yesterday. You know, he might not be here at the very beginning, but we expect his impact to be felt. Yes. Um... He will be the Calvary uh, today. <laughs> Look, um, Josh, we already know that they play weird games. Oh, my I, goodness. Can I can I walk us on a journey real please, quick? Please, 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 please. Oh, I was hoping you would. Because it dawned on me that Saturday was one of the most picturesque, above average temperature-wise, but just great fall weather days. Beautiful. Uh, obviously, KU had the spotlight. You know, the Jayhawks performed valiantly um, in a very admirable fashion, even though they lost to TCU, mostly because, you know, they were without their starting quarterback. And then you got a little postseason baseball mixed in with some Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban action. I mean, it was it was an amazing day, Josh. And then I didn't even take a full hit of that narcotic <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> I didn't even take a full hit. I just took just a little, just a little couple, couple bumps. Okay, <laughs> just a, just a nice like. Ah, uh, okay, we back. <laughs> it's like we back, and we're in London. Whoa, how did that happen? But wow. Um, by the way, we finally did it, America. We finally gave London two semi-quality football teams. All they needed was Daniel Jones and Aaron Rodgers. Who didn't see that coming? Semi-quality to where, like, uh, uh, Packers don't really want to run the ball. Ain't nobody getting open. Um, Man, Saquon Barkley's so good. He's so bad. good. He's so good. Um, And look, Mike Kafka, man, calling them plays. I see what you're yeah. doing out there. Calling them plays, making them adjustments. Good look on you, sir. Very good look. So, the early slate was trash. Let's just be honest, okay? Like, that that high that I got, I could click, like, okay. 
It's just a maintain myself. And now we can move on to another gorgeous day. Um, went out to a pumpkin patch, my friend. Really? On Sunday? On Sunday. See, I went Rinfest Saturday and oh. then Red Zone all day Sunday. So that was my narcotic pattern. Yeah. I mean, the cider kids. I mean, a good cider, a good corn on the cob. Um, shout out to my guy, Ethan Crownover. Uh, met him and his family. They were very nice. Uh, said they love the podcast. So that's for you, Josh. And Seth will hear this at some point. Um, also, you know what? If we're doing shout outs at the beginning, yeah. I, I forgot to hit this at the end of, of the last episode. Shout out to Arrowheads Abroad. They brought a whole bunch of people over. There were games happening in London. They came to this side of the pond for Monday yep. Night Football. Friends, I hope you got your money's worth. I hope that was worth it. Oh, I hope, they did. I oh, hope you get a nice oh, long oh. nap on the plane ride back because you got you got a good experience at Arrowhead. Appreciate the noise you all were making. I, 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 I'm asking this question in a fun-loving manner, but also kind of serious. Did they think Carl Jeffers was going to make it out alive? or because you Ooh, know Some soccer sort of concerns on, cause there. Because on the other, on the other side of the pond, uh-huh. I mean, you know, you make one of those calls. Yeah. And- yeah, and you and you find the secret tunnel under the stadium. Yeah, employment is not the issue. No, not. no, that's not that's not even a joke. It's just true. Now, you may be thinking more like you know, further into Europe, especially when you get into the uh, Latin America, or it's not Latin America, the the, the Latin um, part of all this. You know, all I'm saying is is that. They they definitely got their money's worth. I met a couple yes. of them. Good, awesome. Uh, on Saturday, uh, up at the stadium. Um, yeah, it was just it was a great fall weekend. Josh is what I'm ultimately trying yes, to get at. Absolutely, like a, a like a gorgeous fall weekend. You could wear your sweaters. You know, ladies. I mean, some of them were at the pumpkin patch with the big fall hats. I see you. Gotta have I mean, a big fall hat. I mean, that's how you know. I it mean, started. it's it's kind of hot in this corn maze, but I, mm-hmm. I hey hey you know. You got to get it on Instagram. I get it. That's I, exactly I right. Totally understand it. And look, I'm here because I got to get this cider and this hot corn on the cob, which is just sometimes. Hey, by the way, city folk, sometimes it's okay. You know, I had to admit it, you know, to Holly, my wife on Sunday, because like she's from Iowa. And I'm like, you know, sometimes y'all win. Like sometimes <laughs> the non-city folk got to go across the aisle and shake the head and say, y'all was on it today. Y'all, y'all was Look great- look how happy look how happy my seven year old boy is. Like we like sometimes y'all win. Like I can't even front. Like God bless farmers. Like I was at a have- ranch like two weeks ago. I fed some oh. cows. It was it was absolutely one of those little post game dual jersey swap. You know, I give yes. you my I give you my baseball hat. See if you swap me back with a cowboy hat. Didn't happen. We were all wearing baseball caps. You know, it <laughs> didn't work quite that way. But it was great. Yeah, but I mean, go, like go touch a cow. You know. Exactly. Go, go go touch a goat, man. Go touch go, a cow. Go touch go a goat. Go do it. Go pick a pumpkin. You know, sometimes yeah. you got to do that. I mean, the honey tastes better on this side. I'm going to say it. Okay. I'm going to just I'm gonna acknowledge it. All, all of this is to say is that you just knew it was coming. We had to wait <laughs> the whole weekend in a whole other day to just be overwhelmed with like, this is, this ain't how it's supposed to. What? Huh? <laughs> No, no, like, come on now. This can't be. It can't Nothing's like this. gonna be normal. Not like this. <laughs> they set us up. They they set us up. 
It's just like I knew walking into the stadium. This is this one been marinating, so you yeah. know it's gonna get like exquisitely weird. And the first touchdown, it was like, "Yep, yeah, we're here." Like one team is way better than the other to start, and it'll only get weirder from here. And that's exactly what happened. Um, man, if you was playing bingo with that game, everybody won. I mean, yeah. goodness gracious. So, um, I hope Carl Cheffers is doing all right, you know, because, uh, whoo, I mean, is anybody happy with him? And I mean that honestly on both, like, I don't think football fans are happy with him. No, not not Raider not. fans, not Chiefs fans, like, man, so... It's impressive, Josh, that the Chiefs are four and one, um, and that they have set themselves up for the biggest showdown of the early NFL season. Mm-hmm. How they got there is just—I <sighs> don't even—I don't even know, man. I don't even know. Like, we we could like this is this is the thing that has plagued me since the second the game ended. It was like, okay, mics are coming on around. What are we? What are we going to start with? You could pick virtually anything you and we started because this show is special and i love you and i love hosting this show with you we started in a pumpkin patch i just couldn't have been better but like whenever you get to between the the white lines if you will you can legitimately throw a dart uh, the, the the thing that you can provide that not very many others can though is one aspect of this that sometimes gets assumed. Sometimes you you account for something called a home field advantage. Sometimes that's about noise. Sometimes it's probably about not having to travel. You know, there's there's a lot going on. Right. I want you to put me in the press box next to you at the the lead up to Chris Jones's strip sack. Mm-hmm. The bleep breaks loose moment, and the I didn't did the math. The it, it was eight minutes later. Based on like some tweets that I was checking, eight minutes later, when Matthew Wright hit the longest field goal in Arrowhead Stadium history, in the midst of what was not a great kicking night for him, right? <laughs> Powered by boos, he was kicking for the home team, getting a chorus of of seventy thousand boos. Um, I I know you've been around some incredible atmospheres. I I don't want to speak for you, but I imagine that that one was at the very least unique. Yes. Yes, no, you you framed it perfectly. Um, I'm a I'm a I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you exactly what it was like because I think everybody was kind of incredulous when this all happened, and then you're perplexed, and then you're just befuddled by like the decision making, especially once you see the replay, um, where you know Chris Jones just does one of the more impressive things you can do on a football field, which is like beat a man, beat another man, strip sack the ball, like. Strip and recover all in one motion. Like, sadly, we've just not had a chance to talk about how brilliant of a play that was. Uh, You know, and him, unfortunately, having to come back down to gravity, being Derek Carr's body. Um, So, now you get the booze, and I think the turning point of the game, and it's so weird, Josh, because I could say... Chris Jones is involved in both of these games. But Chris Jones did not lose the Indianapolis Colts game. 
Andy Reid lost the game because the coaching and the decision-making was atrocious through these five games that we have to sample from. Chris Jones did not win or lose the game last night, but I feel like Andy Reid did. Andy Reid losing his mind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Understandably, from his vantage point, uh, put himself in front of Chris Jones and the rest of the team and showed a different side of leadership that I think is hard to quantify at times, but he picked the moment of which to just, I mean, let Carl have it. And that inspired the team because, hey, the coach understands that we are trying to get back in this game as best we can. And then the fans... We're just, I mean, rabid. Yeah. Uh, almost in a very lustful manner. Yeah. Yeah. Bloodlust. Yeah. 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 Ah, thank you. Thank you for, yeah. for, 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 for putting the exclamation mark on that. I, I hadn't considered that phrase and you're totally right. So, you know, from time to time, the seating arrangement kind of changes in the press box. But I usually sit either next to Dave Scretta with the Associated Press or Adam Teicher with ESPN. And then usually to my right is either Vahe Gregarian of the Kansas City Star or Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star. Blair said it so I didn't have to. But he was like, you know what, Nate? And I was like, what's up? As it was clear that that, that Carl was shook at this point. Uh, he's like, it's a lot of angry white people out here. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a vibe. I mean, the Raiders didn't know how to operate on offense for 15 minutes. The the <laughs> officials looked for anything that the Raiders could have done in an in an improper fashion. I mean, they had a huddle, broke a huddle, came back to a huddle, and was like, "We should just probably give them the the the, the intentional grounding, right?" Because I mean, I'm trying to, yeah, yeah. Let's let's just all right. Let's do it. Yeah, let's just yeah, let's do <laughs> it. Let's right. just do it. Hey, hey, uh. Look, MVS had his one mistake. He had his, mm-hmm. he had his dropped pass. Uh, they're going to have to kick a field goal. I mean, you know. <sighs> I mean, I feel like we gave him enough makeup calls. But, yep, that's a hold. Sir, you held him on a two-second field goal attempt snap. That I clearly understand. Why every, every Raider fan would be like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. He didn't tackle him. Those men engaged because they're paid to do something on those kickoff on those field goals, and you calling that a whole dog? I mean, like if you watch, if you rewatch the game, Josh McDaniels goes like, "I can't. I'm supposed to like criticize you, but I I can't because they they got us, man. They got us. Like this is to your point, Josh. What home field advantage can provide for you under very specific circumstances. Yeah. 
and also I'm glad that you uh, I'm glad that you framed it as Andy Reid with a different type of leadership than you usually see. Um, because obviously I was listening to other pressers after the game. You were there for them, and I, I know the locker room had its it, its uh its moments from Chris Jones and everything. Uh, but listening to Andy Reid as as you guys kept you know kind of going back and just trying to get a little more from him out of that. Eventually, when he said, "Hey, I, he's first of all," when he said. I'm not here to get fined or whatever version of it this time. You can you can go ahead and confirm this if you'd like. But when I heard that audio, that was not accompanied by the corners of his mustache perking up. That was not one of those funny little I'm not going to say anything so I don't get fined kind of question. He he then go went on to to elaborate on exactly how he was done talking about it because I think he probably wanted to talk about it. And he talked about it a lot. To Carl Jeffers into <laughs> halftime. That, yes. That's something I've never seen before. And then whenever he says post game, hey, I got I got it off my chest. I said what I needed to say. He said what he needed to say. And I think what Andy Reid said was that's a load of um, bunk and hooey and uh, planted that seed that, hey, you guys, you guys, at the very least, you cannot disappear from this game. The referees, but maybe you can even out the bunk and hooey that you just provided uh, that that was my guess as to uh how that messaging all went but it was a a truly unique performance from from andy reed even in this game yeah just just because um i feel like the team really did need something yeah and it just it just flat again yeah it it, they just it just came from an un uh, like it just came from a source that was um somewhat unique right i mean as i wrote you know, in my story, like a referee's job is not to be a part of the turning point in the game. Like he's just, he's just not. Um, but unfortunately like that's what happened. Um, you know, usually, and I think Max Crosby is the only Raider on defense who can talk smack. I mean, it's, I cannot express this more fellas and, and ladies. It's him and ten other dudes in, in silver and black yeah. uniforms. It's he's legit. He's real, and like that's probably been true for a while. But like, yeah, it's evident. Yeah, yeah. It, he's he's very good. He also plays with ten guys who also are paid to play football, who mm-hmm. are not as good as him. And <laughs> yeah. the contrast is is the size of a Grand Canyon at this point in terms of talent level and ability to execute or have any semblance of an effect on the game. They had this man try to mush Travis Kelsey and still get to Patrick Mahomes on critical snaps. What are the other 10 guys doing? <laughs> hey, we need you to account for uh, 87 and 15. We'll get everybody else. Oh, I, cool. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, coach. Yeah, awesome. I, I mean, I don't, I don't I don't usually do this. But Max, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta run the team meeting next week. Or at least the defensive meetings. Cause I mean, I'm doing the Lord's work. <laughs> what are y'all doing? Oh, my God. I mean, uh, there's a clip where Dan Orlovsky, the wonderfully talented analyst, former NFL quarterback, but with ESPN right now, he put out a clip on Twitter or it's on NFL Live. If you record that show, you can rewatch it. Where like, they were just like, hey, hey, dog, uh. Here's 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 your life. <laughs> hey, that first sack on Mahomes. Hope you enjoyed it, kiddo. Cause now you gotta mush or like make Travis think you're gonna hit him. 
Then you have to engage Andrew Wiley, who by and large has won the matchup most of the time because uh, you guys were former college teammates. Then you got Jarrett McKinnon. All I do is pick up blitzers just ready to chip your shoulder into yeah, oblivion. Yeah, anybody, I guess. Yeah, Jarrett McKinnon's got it for anybody. Whatever, cool. Yeah, sure. Why not? And then try to go go chase Patrick Mahomes. Again, what are the other 10 people doing? I also know what they're doing. They're not playing good football or good man coverage or good tackling or identifying what the other side of the football is doing. What were they hey, doing, Seth? Your, your Honor, I would just like to announce the president of the state, Assistant Humber County Attorney Seth Kaiser, appeared on behalf of the county. I'm here with uh, social worker Jane Smith in this matter. Um, we are representing Mr. Kelsey uh, against the field, Your Honor. Um, your Honor, it, it's kind of sad that we're here on this motion today, to be perfectly frank. I wouldn't normally say something like this about opposing counsel, but the ridiculousness of these types of motions can't really be overstated. It's a waste of my time, the court's time, and frankly, everyone who's who's present here today, Your Honor, the the unfathomable stupidity that there could be anyone who's as good at, as Travis Kelsey is at tight end. Frankly, Your Honor, if if I weren't against doing this, I'd be asking for sanctions with opposing counsel. And uh, and so, Your Honor, I'm just asking to just dismiss this immediately and allow me to go play with my friends. Objection! <laughs> Objection! Objection! Uh, Mr. Briscoe. Yeah, tell Travis Kelsey to do it without a functioning pancreas, okay? How about that? <laughs> you got you, you, I love how there's 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 teams in every part of life, isn't there? And some teams are important and that that makes sense. Doing it all with, doing it all without a functioning pancreas, that's what like I always tell people whenever someone says something nice about my wife, which is frequent cuz she's awesome. Um, I say something to the effect of, and she does it all without a spleen. And then they get really <laughs> uncomfortable, which is always super fun. Apparently, I I, I think that's HIPAA, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, hey, I'm not, guys. I'm not sure either. Hey, Seth. Hello. It's you so... watch, hey, Seth, did you watch the game last night? Who played? Uh, yes. It was a uh, AFC, okay. West, AFC West teams. I think it was... <laughs> I would love to do a bit there, but given that I lost at least three years off my life watching yeah. that game, like I just like I went from so sure they were going to lose to so sure they were going to win to so sure they were going to lose to them suddenly winning. Like that <laughs> yeah. was a lot, man. Um, and I mean, like, there's so many things. I heard some of the things you guys are saying about the pass rush and that kind of stuff, but I just have to say thank you. Travis Kelsey for giving me the easiest content I've ever produced in my life. <laughs> and thank you to a great, great SB Nation site, Baltimore Beatdown. They do, they do good work there for giving me the easiest content of my life by <laughs> tweeting the previous day, it's Mark Andrews and they're maybe in his league or whatever they phrase it. I'm sure they didn't say it with that voice. But we have to stop with Travis Kelsey. I'm calling it, guys. We have to stop. He is in MJ, LeBron, whatever status. That until it is clear someone is better than him, which in MJ's case, it never happened while he's in his prime. But, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, like, someone have to argue that his prime was back before um, his pancreas quit on him. And yeah. I do think that that has to be accounted for in his uh, scouting report. You and the pancreas. Um, it, it just, I, I that was just... It was so much fun writing about Travis Kelsey. And I realized when I was thinking about what to write about last night, I haven't written about him in a while because it's just become like, that's just the way things are. 
Travis Kelsey catches for something like 11, 1200 yards and between seven to 12 touchdowns. And that's just the way life is because that's how it's been for more like half a dozen years. And I don't know that game though, man, I hope you guys already covered the weirdness because I can't, I, I just, it hurt me. Like I was like, I was watching. I was thinking, oh, this is like what it would have been like against the Colts if the Colts were competent. <laughs> that was that was my yeah. first thought. And then I and then oh, I'm sorry, I'm taking over this completely, which is fun. I well for me. We so, got we got our 20 minutes in, we're good. <laughs> I just wanted to say to you guys, and maybe you've gotten here yet, you probably led with it. What have I told you guys is the most valuable form of energy? It's screw you energy. And the and Carl Sheffers. Sheffers? Anyway. I did this for I did this for four hours on the radio today. I've I've decided on Sheffers, I think, but I said Sheffers, Sheffers. for four hours. Sheffers. Let's call him Carl. He, I, 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 I've been back and forth on this. I honestly think, and, and this is one of those things where we we it's so frustrating. You can quantify so many things. In I football. love this take. No, I love this take. Go with it. You can quantify so many things. I think there's a small chance. Yes, you're right. That the penalty. Yes actually did more for the Chiefs correct. than the strip mm-hmm. sack would have. This is the correct mm-hmm. take. This, the, I can yep. smell this take from a minute away. This is the right take. You've been baking it. it. It's coming out, coming it out de- nice. It defies all reason and logic because obviously a strip sack by Chris Jones, especially done that way, he everyone on the team loves him. It would have fired everyone up. He would have I mean, he would have probably sprinted circles around Arrowhead Stadium. The place would have exploded. But I don't think after the way that game had gone, so far, I don't think it would have had the staying power of pure, unadulterated hate. <laughs> and that, I really think, I think, you know, either way, I think the Chiefs end up winning this game, I think. But that, I think that helped them more because they were they were sleepwalking through that game. Yeah, well, and here's... Here's the only thing that I would I would I would poke at there. I have no idea if they win this game without that happening. That's a solid point. <laughs> they, they almost lost this game with that happening. Like uh, Devontae Adams with a a nanosecond of a bobble on the sideline might have been the difference between winning and oh. losing this game. I mean, much less the missed field goal, holding penalty, all of that. I mean, hey 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 hey. Um, look, it's it's real late, guys, and I just want to go home. And is there any discrepancy in this replay? <laughs> yeah. Oh Is there, God! Thank you. Okay. The ball, the well, ball bobbled. I, mean, I will go to my grave telling Raiders fans that ball moved. It does move. It does. It does. I think that was. I think that was a straight but up hey, ball. Which you have to. But you have to differentiate hey, in a game like this. But hey, can can you know? Look, look. <sighs> Clearly, guys, I need my. I need to defer, and, and so I just. I know what my eyes are seeing, but I just need you to tell me. Sir, uh, in New York, wherever you are, uh, that that there, there's a there's an issue here, correct? Please. And where was the previous spot of the ball before the play? Okay, thank you, thank you so so yeah. much. Well, you guys remember while you look before you tell me that I have a family, and I don't know how to get out of this stadium. I I have never heard. I'm sure you guys talked about this. I missed you guys. I have never heard a rest voice, and I'm sure it was just a coincidence. I really am. We did not get to this but, point yet. But, this but is my favorite. was it? But was Carl Sheffers has been doing this for... Shook. That guy's voice trembled. 
I mean, when he was he was apologizing. When, so I mean, just everyone knows what happened here. So I don't think I need to set the table. When there was even the possibility that a flag <laughs> might have been thrown on the Chiefs within a five minute time span or more like ten minute time span, the way he said, "There is no foul of block in the back." First down. <laughs> just like he was like, this is, oh my gosh, guys. No, there's no penalty. I'm so sorry, Ed, through that. <laughs> like, I have never seen, and maybe I'm wrong, but I have never seen an NFL official. I've seen it in the NBA, a smaller venue, that kind of thing. I don't think I've ever seen NFL officials intimidated by a home crowd. And I think I've seen it now. And hey, you know what? With the way you frame that, we 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 uh, briefly connected it to uh, you know some of the uh, international incidents that occasionally come with some soccer hooliganism. Oh. As far as as far as I know, as far as I'm currently aware of, good job, Chiefs fans. Yeah, because because you impacted the game with your voices from yeah. your seats, and I haven't seen or heard anything about Carl Sheffers like getting his tires slashed or anybody trying to like tweet <laughs> tweet at his address or anything. Don't do any of that. Yeah. Hey, you just, you, you got it. It was perfect. And I think, because every time we have this conversation, I'm like a little bit worried that there's about to be a story in like an hour that somebody, again, just like, I don't know, mailed dog poop to his house or something. I, I just don't, I don't want it. I don't want this to have the, the bad turn of it. And so far, everybody, you were loud and you've been cool about it. So I think we did it. I think we're good. Keep being cool, everybody. <laughs> That's all good advice. Nate, you were there. I, I like, I have never seen anything like that. Did it? And it wasn't just like how mad they got. Like, I mean, I have never heard such sustained booing. And I think poor Sheffers, not really, because I mean, he really got that wrong. Like that was bad. Yeah. But I think there was also some pent up frustration from two weeks ago. And there was some, this cannot be happening again. There's no way this is happening to Chris Jones twice in a row. There's no way in a way that will, that will flip the game. I, like there was some of that energy to it, but I, not just the booze and the pure hate. I mean, and like you said, good job, Kansas City. It was just your voices. You, I could feel it through my screen, but it wasn't just that. The crowd went bananas. After that, like the field goal, they kind of said, but the minute they had something to cheer about, I I have not heard Arrowhead like that, I don't think, in a non-playoff game, at least through the TV. Um, There have been brief moments. Uh, the fourth and nine always jumps out to me mm. um, because it seemed oh, yeah. like it seemed like a superhero who figured out a new way of <laughs> of defeating the villain with like a certain move and like. <laughs> Everyone just like acknowledging it in the moment. Um, that was awesome. I was, you there. know, the 50th touchdown in Arrowhead, I'll never forget just because people in more of an NBA atmosphere with a guy at the free throw line were, were chanting MVP at a quarterback. Um, and poor Drew Brees because he was two weeks away from winning the award. And <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I, like by the way, Drew Brees. Um, 
two weeks away from being a MVP, MVP uh, award winner and one pass interference away from potentially being a two-time world champion. Um, I'm trying to think of some other moments. Yeah, that are not playoff specific because obviously everybody remembers the comeback against um, the Texans, uh, the semi Watkins play in the AFC Championship game. Obviously, there's the run. Um, man, it's, it's it's hard to say in a regular season game for that much energy to be sustained for for that long of a duration. Um, I think it's also somewhat helpful that it is against the Chiefs' oldest rival in the Chargers, or excuse me, in the Raiders. Um, you know, their most significant rival of, of historical nature. And, yeah, the fact that it's on primetime for everybody to see, um, it just sort of adds to the lore of what Arrowhead can be for an opposing team on, you know, like I said earlier, on a specific night, um, under specific circumstances. And, you know, that's probably the first time where the referees are just as affected as the opponent. And that is, I mean, that's home field advantage even in 2022. As much as technology has tried to mitigate uh, how we all grew up with understanding what home field advantage is, um, I think you're right on the money, Seth, and sort of suggesting that, um, the, yeah, the history of earlier in the season, the opponent, um, a ridiculous rule, and everybody, you know, Andy Reid is beloved, obviously, in Kansas City. So when he gets upset, when he gets upset or when he shows emotion, because those moments are so rare, I think it also ignites a, a, a deeper reservoir of, of, again, just rabid, bloodthirsty, bloodlustful. <laughs> I mean, and and I do think it's I do think it's pivotal that this was not just an offensive comeback, if that makes yeah. sense. Like the defense getting a chance to make a stop. Um the fact that the and, and I don't know, like we're gonna learn, I'm assuming about this later. Um because it really I don't know if it was explained well last night. So maybe when they look at the film, Josh McDaniels or Derek Carr or Adams or obviously Hunter Renfro, they'll give a better explanation. But I wonder if the crowd had some some impact on dudes literally running into each other on the <laughs> biggest <laughs> offensive snap of the freaking game. Um, and it was the right call against Cover Zero too. Because if you make a if you this is to my point if you make an adjustment. Or if it's supposed to be a a, a post snap sight adjustment to like, hey, maybe they're blitzing, maybe they're blitzing. Yes, they're blitzing. Um, if the crowd noise or whatever sort of gets into your mind or it disrupts you from from understanding what the teammate next to you is supposed to be doing on the side on that side of the field, yeah, them running into one another and Derek Carr. I mean the, I mean, whew, um, Nick Bolton's good kids and. Derek Carr threw the ball about a 15 yards past where it was intended because Nick Bolton was going to was going to inflict damage, probably knowing Carl Jeffers wasn't gonna wasn't gonna throw a flat in hmm. fourth and one. God, imagine. <laughs> I think I saw somebody's tweet that uh, that if they would have done that, the, the Chiefs could have saved themselves a little bit of trouble in the future because fans would have torn down Arrowhead for them. So they could have started construction <laughs> in the new stadium. <laughs> <laughs> that was I, I just I can't remember a game you you're right the fourth and nine moment like the stadium 
it was like it, it, it really it, it, it absolutely exploded because it was such a surprise and it was there's so much there. I think it was the continuous nature of it. Yeah. You know, Arrowhead gets loud for sure. But, you know, it's it's hard to maintain. It's just hard to scream for an hour straight. You know, that's that's hard to do. That's why infants are such a miracle. Like why I am such a miracle. That's why Josh is such a miracle. Um, but it just like it was just unending for the rest of the game. Like they just were freaking out the entire time. And it's almost as though I feel like with fans, like for one, yeah, there was the anger. But when they saw that they were like actually affecting the game, there really is something to that. It's kind of like how if 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 a false start gets forced, it's always louder the next snap. And there's just that idea that you can, in even a tiny way, move the needle just a little bit as a fan. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was it was it was just such a funny moment though. And even funnier to me is the fact that some of the clips of it, um, Shea Serrano cl- uh tweeted it out and he obviously has a you know well-known twitter account and it got nuked by the nfl and they were nuking some of the other clips of that really yes of him having a shaky voice (laughs) wow all right state media is getting on it man that is uh you know they love what they saw wow looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, so... Where do you want to be, Seth? Because <laughs> we we kind of had this whole we kind of had this this whole conversation where we got you know again the, the conversation about Arrowhead and the refs and Chris Jones a little bit on Travis Kelsey and all of that. Um, one thing I want to mention from a news perspective is that Andy Reid said after the game that Tershawn Wharton tore his ACL and will be out for the rest of the season. Um, that's that's the only like major major injury as of right now that we know of. But there, several guys left this game. That defense was thin at the end. Um, but entering the game, Tershawn Morton was second among Chiefs defensive tackles and snaps behind Chris Jones. He'd been playing really well. It's the end of his rookie contract. This is a contract year for him. Um, so just feel terrible for Wharton. And that's that is a legitimate issue for the Chiefs, right? I think it Taylor is. Taylor Stallworth and and uh and uh, the the uh immovable um uh, oh God, I'm now blanking on his name after falling in love with him. So, Danny uh, Shelton. Danny Shelton. Why did I not want? I wanted. I was afraid that I was going to say the wrong name. Danny the Shelton. Indomitable. Uh, those <laughs> those two will. Uh, there's a lot of beef there between Taylor Starworth and Danny Shelton on the uh, practice squad if they want to bring them up. Uh, and and Colin Saunders has played a lot and well, but not sure that either of those two are going to be able to do the uh, Tershawn Wharton job. So I don't know. I was curious what you guys thought about that from the one the one negative on the on the future looking side there. Sure. Uh, one thing that I would note is that Saunders played really well last yeah, night. He, was all like he popped multiple times. And I think of the two of them, I think he's been outplaying Wharton this year. Yeah, cool. And and again, I, I feel terrible for Wharton. I've liked him for a long time. I, I I think he's he's just such an incredible athlete 
for a defensive tackle. And it's always funny. Like when like a quarterback like runs a bootleg and he starts running them down and they start to run away. And you can see that moment. It used to happen with Tano Passanio as well, where they were like, holy crap, he's gaining on me. Like it's a real, it's always a funny moment. Um, so I hope he recovers well. I hope he gets at least some version of the bag next year. It's always tough after an injury. But I think Saunders has been outplaying him. So I think his his role will increase. But it's a bummer because in terms of you, you want to be able to rotate guys in. That, that's a big deal. And they've been able to do it somewhat successfully this year. And like you said, they're, they're kind of, they're getting thinner up front, especially with guys that have shown they can rush from the interior. That's why where Mike Dana coming back suddenly takes on even more importance because Dana was playing well before he got hurt. Right. And I think that could balance that out a little. Um, My selection would be Danny Shelton. Um, Taylor Stallworth. Well, Taylor Stallworth has probably more recent game experience of success but again that's in different schemes so you know my my thing would be probably Danny Shelton um but you know another thing that that happened last night was Frank Clark you know experiencing another illness uh setback and missing the second half um so you know Malik Herring who was kind of on the edge all throughout training camp um you know made the roster uh, through the practice squad, got you know sort of called up for I believe the Indianapolis game was his was his NFL debut. Um, he's he's gotten you know some reps and has looked okay at times. Um, it's a it's a fascinating dynamic because it really is becoming Chris Jones and everybody else sort of rotating around him. Um, you know George Karloff just got his first uh you know part of a sack <laughs> in, in last night's game you know he split the sack with with Frank Clark um Carlos Dunlap has eh, I don't know if you've seen anything Seth but um nothing that's really jumped out to me over the last two games um but you know he's still around it's it's going to be an interesting dynamic because of course we all know who's next uh that being Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills um, so they're gonna have to work some things out, but you know the pass rush has been good this season. Um, the secondary has really not been exposed until last night, um, and that was mostly in part because Devontae Adams uh, is very good, and Rashad Fenton has had some real like slippage, I, I would call it, um, in some in some of his play, particularly on deeper deeper routes. So, yeah, the the defense did just enough, but, you know, there's also the chance of Trick McDuffie coming back for Sunday's game against Buffalo, and no. obviously you're going to get Willie Gay <laughs> for San Francisco the following week. That's, by the way, you know who would have helped on some of those Jacobs runs? Willie Gay Jr. Yep. Um, because what, what was happening um, – they were having Nick Bolton play downhill because he he was for a lot of the evening the only guy that was having any success tackling Jacobs, like and not getting dragged nineteen feet. That was really frustrating to watch. Um, anyway, uh, and so they would have him attack downhill. Now the only problem with that is that leaves you only really minding one gap, right? Because you're attacking the line, your 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 run fit 
is just that gap. You're not looking to react to where the runner goes and potentially filling two different gaps, which you can do if you're not moving downhill quite as quickly. Um, and what they were doing is he would just bounce it the other way. And they weren't having a lot of success plugging those other gaps. And I, I, you can't help but wonder if a guy like Willie Gay Jr., who, while he's known for his speed, his athleticism, he's a really physical tackler too. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that you would have made a difference on at least a few of those. And also the Chiefs, um, the middle of the defense, the Raiders did not do a great job exploiting this. Low-key, Derek Carr did not play super well um, outside of some nice moonshots. Like, I mean, he, he had a few really good deep balls, but I, overall he didn't play that great. But the middle of the field has been a lot more open without without gay there and so it'll be huge having him back but did you more importantly say that trent mcduffie might be back yes we will see how the progress goes in practice this week of course um but the expectation and the hope i I guess to describe it the hope is that he will be a part of the game plan for sunday's game now i don't know what his snap count will be necessarily um but you know all indications are is that he's done well with his hamstring and that he will be in the mix. Um, also, uh, really quick, Seth, it was fascinating that the Raiders um, could not throw to the middle of the ball because um, Legereus Knee was kind of, you mm. know, all right, Hunter Riffo, you, you want that six yards, you can go get it, but you ain't getting <laughs> more Chelsea. Right. And they didn't have Darren Waller, yeah, which meant they had. Which, which so Darren Waller missed most of the game with a hamstring injury, which meant they had to go six offensive linemen, which was kind of sneaky, interesting, slash good, slash maybe you should have stayed with it. Right. They had a they had a few drives where they were running the ball very effectively and then kind of went away from it. Um, and then there were other drives where the Chiefs were doing a pretty good job against the run. It, it really ebbed and flowed. Um, but yeah, I. The Sneed was doing some work. Um, he's he's become he's a good corner. They need McDuffie back though, because um, you kind of made a comment that Fenton has struggled this year, and we've talked about him in the past as kind of that guy you could count on to be like steady. And this year, and this sounds weird saying this when when Jalen Watson has seen such a significant number of snaps, Fenton has been the corner that has been picked on the most. Yep. And that's with that's with Sneed, Watson, Fenton. And so I'm curious. We know that Spags generally favors veterans, although this year it's like, ah, why not throw the rookies in there? Uh, you know, Cook's out there already. Watson's out there already. Might as well keep Watson out there and throw McDuffie out there. It feels like that could be a possibility. Um, because I think overall, like and Watson's had his ebbs and flows too. But Watson's upside is higher. And I think, generally speaking, the catches he's given up have been like, oh, hey, Mike Evans is an alien, or hey, Mike Williams is a less strong but still alien. (laughs) You know, like, and he's in position, he's contesting well. It's kind of like people hated on Charvarius Ward for years. It's like, oh, he gives up all these contested catches. Like, well, not that many, really. And the reason, you know why they look contested? Because the guy's not open. Yeah, what would you rather? Oh, he never gives up a contested catch because the receiver's eight yards away from him. And you're seeing a few more of those from Fenton where he's just getting beat, which is unusual. Like in the past, he's he's executed pretty well. And to be fair, Devontae Adams is a tough cover. But 
it's felt like Fenton has been the weak link among the three. And I'm curious if Spags would be willing to, because you know they love McDuffie. Like, the minute they think he's healthy, he's the dude. But it would be interesting to see them really go with two rookies and what is this Sneed's third year? Yes. That would be wild. And But I'm here for it. Um, it, it generally, the secondary has looked pretty good. Um, and it's just, they got to figure out how to rush the passer earlier in games. Is there a solution to that? Or is that just like, that's, that's a rough thing to have be a rough thing. I think, I mean, right now, unless, um, you know, Karloftis every week, I think you can see him trying to put some things together in terms of combo moves, but that stuff just takes time. He's clearly strong. He's got heavy hands good athleticism, and he plays his butt off. That part of the will, selling point on that is that that'll wear on you throughout the game, right? Yeah. But that doesn't help the early part, I guess. And that's, I wonder if part of it, because, I mean, he was better late in games as a college player, too. And so I, I think part of that, maybe he comes on strong. Um, but, I mean, Dunlap has not been, so far at least, he's had some good moments, but I don't think he's been as consistent as Ingram was last year. And that affects things. Um, cause you really wanted that, that second complimentary guy to be like an above average guy. Right. You know, and so I, I don't know if there's a solution other than, you know, Clark trying to stay healthy and, and playing, he's played better this year than he has last year when he's been on the field. Um, but not, you know, not an incredible amount, just better, but outside of that or Dana coming back and it turns out, you know, the flashes we saw before he got hurt, I, I just don't really see it. It really does rise and fall on Karloftis. Unless they like, you know, I don't know, pick up the phone and call a team and say, hey, you fired your head coach and you've got a guy who's a great edge rusher. Anybody with an alliterative name, like the same letter, first name, last name. Yeah, I mean, we love alliteration. Um, we we love the got a lot idea. of syllables already, you know. And George Karloftis, though, maybe maybe like a three syllable total yeah, name. Yeah, just just you know something that you can say. Just Brian Burns, just incredibly yeah. fast. Yeah, bang bang, you said right? That was, yeah. You said bang just bang is what bang, you said. Bang bang, just a bang bang name like player. that. Yeah, I just, would uh, Brian Burns play like that. Yeah. yeah, just for a random idea. Now the Chiefs have gone the trade for a guy route with Frank Clark that did not end well. No, so. So it's interesting because they're they're clearly trying to build the team through the draft and that kind of stuff. But, you know, he's got a year. This year is cheap. And then next year is the fifth year rookie option. Then the potential franchise tag. So in theory, you've got a year and a half of cost control, at least relative cost control. Fifth year option isn't great, but it's better, right? In theory, you have that. He's a young guy, et cetera, et cetera. I don't see the Chiefs making a move like that. But I can't really see, like, I don't think if they're going to make a move, if they're going to trade for someone, I don't think the move is to trade for another average type guy, right? Because they do have, they have more complementary pieces than they had last year. Yes. And it's just, I don't know if Karloftis is ready to be more than, he's like a complementary plus piece. If, he, if George Karloftis is your third best pass rusher, you are cooking with gas. If he's your second best pass rusher, it's going to ebb and flow a bit. 
Anything you want to add to that, Nate? Or do you want to pick a different thing? We got about, uh, Seth, a little time check for you here. We got about, about 10 minutes or so to kind of wrap things up. I have uh, I have one topic I'd like to get to. It can wait. Um, but if there's anything else from, from on the field that you guys want to spend some time highlighting, I, I legitimately think there might be a dozen other dudes that deserve some sort of mention. But I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Let's roll. What do you like? What do you like, Nate? Who who have we not mentioned yet? Do you think, hey, this this right here is something that um, needs a little bit of a spotlight, but probably hasn't gotten it yet because this game was so absolutely chaotic? Yeah, um, Jerick McKinnon, mostly because uh, he ran the hardest of the three running backs. Um, he appears to be their best option when they want to do... Uh, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, Seth. But he appears to be their best option if they want to do like actual RPOs that are like yeah. goodish. <laughs> yeah, the explosion there. I mean, he's got he doesn't have quite the acceleration Pacheco does, but it's notably it's noticeably better than Ceh. Yeah, and he's just he's just an all pro at blitz pickup, or somebody's leaking, and I'm here, so. Let me just erase him from the equation. Uh, Jared McKinnon is is great, and I think another player too. Um, and we, you know, we've just crossed over the quarter mark of the season. So, for me as a as a as a as a writer and a journalist, it's like, do we want to take the assessment now, or do we want to wait for like midway through the season? Because that feels, you know, obviously a bigger sample size, somewhat representative of like, hey, we're just at the halfway point. Um, but that that's one of the more gutsy McCole Hartman performances. Yeah, good call. Um, because not only did he just look healthier and more explosive, but when the when the opportunities were there, um, <clears throat> he really made the most of them. There's the one. There's the one pass, and it's not McCole's fault because I think I think Mahomes knew he was looking for for McCole on that sort of diagonal route. But the you know, but obviously the Somebody was in his face, and so he he threw it just a bit longer. Um, but yeah, I think I think McCole Harbor probably had he scored a touchdown in in Arizona, but this was probably a more complete performance last night against the Raiders. He's a really good one because he had there were some important catches too. Um, that's something that I thought was interesting to note. Here we go, <coughs> weekly phlegm check. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I'm turning into an old man in front of my eyes, just like, Bleh! now I'm ready to talk. Um, so there were multiple guys that had important plays. Like Clyde had a few important plays where he he made something happen. Kelsey obviously did. Um, McKinnon obviously did. Juju Smith-Schuster had a couple of huge catches. Yeah. And fought for some extra yards. Um, Hardman had some huge catches. Um, one guy that I thought, uh, there's, there's, Two guys that I'll I'll mention. Um, one, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, yep. who unfortunately had a really regrettable drop, and that's been a bit problematic for him. But he also, I mean, at the end of the day, you're talking six catches for 90 yards. And Currently leading wide receivers in receiving, by the way. Looked that up this morning. He's one yard past Juju now. Yeah. Oh, okay. And and some of the nature of those targets, it's not just this deep route stuff. He's He's coming through on some intermediate, used his size on a couple times. And so, and he's clearly, you can kind of see him evolving in the offense in terms of like the spacing and kind of like the stuff that Kelsey just does better than anyone, right? Always being in the exact right spot at the exact right time. That takes time. And 
it's interesting if you look at MVS's statistical output, you know, you had week one and then week two was just a lot of nothing. And it seems like it's steadily creeping up a little bit. And I just think that's interesting. Um, it, it's it's it, it's an interesting thing to see him kind of grow into, oh, no, wait, he, he's, he's a decent receiver. You know, like he, he can do some things to help just like Juju. And you can almost see the plan come together in terms of, oh, no, we got three or four guys that, you know, they'll hurt you if you're not careful. Yeah. Right. And and that's that's been the plan. Um, and then, you know, late in the game, after not featuring him at all, we'll just throw to Sky Moore several times in a row. Yeah, that was weird. That was so weird. That was strange. That was just like that to me, you know, Nate, you've kind of you've played it very coy in terms of, you know, Moore's development and whether or not there might be some packages that we haven't seen. I feel like when they really needed some yards, like some guaranteed yards. Yep. Andy was like, oh, I guess we should dust off these, this, this, because it was the same play. When Andy yeah. uses the same play in like, what was it? Within four plays of one another, if that, that's how you know that Andy knew this is not on tape at all. We are going to, yep. yep. And, and it worked both times. I think seven yards each, both times. And he came real close to breaking it once. And so uh, maybe maybe more becomes one of those guys too. But it was just interesting to see just like, right. uh, well, I think I need to dust this off because we really need the yards. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening. Um, you know, that was, uh, hey, you know, Clyde's our number one, but he hasn't had the production we would like. Um, McKinnon is still the third down back, but like I think they're somewhat cautious with McKinnon because, you know, he's had injuries Yep, starting around this time of the season. Um, so you got to be mindful of that. And hey, you know, Sky Moore just used, just happens to have running back legs. Let's just give him the ball in space. And it was uh, it was very deliberate. Um, and there's more there with Sky Moore. I don't know how soon we'll see it. I have an idea. It could be. I think. Okay, here's my prediction. Within the next two games between Buffalo and San Francisco, there will be plays downfield lined up for Sky Moore. I like it. I'll tell you I what like we can it. get. Yeah, sure. I, I've, I've, my expectations have been a little bit tanked, but it's so weird that I'm, I'm ready to be hurt again. So, uh, <laughs> I need you guys to talk about one unit we haven't mentioned at all today, and we, we've talked about the trenches on the defensive side. I legitimately like, look, especially when I'm going on and doing the post game show, the second after the game ends, you guys are jumping into writing mode. I can't I, I can't rewind and then I'm talking all of a sudden. So I did my very, very best to formulate what I believe to be the most reasonable opinions about the state of the Chiefs offensive line over these last few weeks. Who knows? Specifically last night, I just it felt like it felt like it was really tough sledding in the first half. Things recalibrated, they got better in the second. I'm not I, I feel like maybe the um Maybe the pushback has gone a beat too far on Orlando Brown Jr., which doesn't mean he's been awesome, but that's sort of the the feeling that I get. And I just need you guys to set us a little a little guiding light for for what the the Chiefs' offensive line is right now, um, particularly with with Orlando Brown as well. Uh, he did play better in the second half. The Chiefs did help their tackles, him and Andrew Wiley. Um, it also helps that the Raiders couldn't surprise them 
for the entire 60 minutes. And that is the that is kind of the brilliance of Bill Belichick. I know like he's got his own uh challenges this year, but in the past, like, and I know Seth's talked about this before, but like, hey, just because you saw this in the first quarter means we're gonna do this in the third. Just cause you saw this in the second, oh, it's only setting us up for the fourth, man. Like he's so good at um anticipating the adjustments to what you're presenting. Whereas the Raiders could only do so much in like the first quarter and a half. And then basically they had to they had to go with what they felt was 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 best, which was like, please stop Travis Kelsey at all at all cases. Um here's the thing. The the full assessment is next week. And so you've had plenty of time to study. Uh you had a you had a pop quiz of a Thursday night game between Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, but the real test, the actual test to help prepare you for what it might be like in January is Sunday. His his name is Von Miller. He's terrifying. And so however Orlando Brown or Andrew Wiley, depending on where Von Miller wants to go, however they play. I think will really will really give a true idea of like where this offensive line is. Now, I'm not sure if you know Trey Smith is going to go on the short term IR or if they're going to try to give him another week where they practice and see if his if his pectoral muscle sort of improves. Nick Allegretti is is a perfectly good spot starter, um, but their issue right now is still at the tackle position. And I don't know if it's going to improve quickly at a at a at a pretty sizable rate. If the test on Sunday, Seth, do you feel good about your students here? Um, I felt better about Brown last year than I do this year, and Von Miller's just playing really, really well. So we'll see. He he did play better in the second half, um, and he played better against Tampa Bay, but he has he's been worse and i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna save it until i've I've really quantified it maybe it's just that the losses have looked so bad they've kind of come what happens with offensive line if you get like a couple losses back to back on a drive or you know within one drive of each other it becomes real easy to start looking for something and then finding it um so i just know that miller has a very capable speed rush and Yep. yep. And a, an incredible bend, too. Like Hall of Fame bend. Yep. And that uh, well, bend. Yeah. Yeah. Then we'll uh, we'll have time to, to preview that matchup more specifically. Uh, if you want some more reading, we, we should be back on Thursday as our usual Thursday show. So you won't have to be without us for very long. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to read about Travis Kelsey, of course, you can read that in the Chief in the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Um, more to come there, of course, as well. Of course, on the athletic, Nate is already has already written his uh, his post game story late last night. I guess early this morning, technically. Um, I, boy, I, we need to compare notes. What times we got home, Nate? It was a, it was it was not. It was no longer it's Monday. Not. I can tell you that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yep. Uh, but with was, that being it was said, dark. the the fruits of Nate's labor up on theathletic.com right now, and uh, again, much more to come. Press conferences tomorrow. We'll have a lot to talk about. By the time Thursday comes around. So uh, theathletic.com slash times ours if you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic. And you can follow all of us on Twitter at RealMNChiefsFan, at ByNateTaylor, at JB Briscoe. I have two things I would like to say here at the end of Get them off the chest. First, 
is the obvious thing. 41% of the career games, Patrick Mahomes has 100%, nay, 100.6% of Troy Aikman's career passing touchdowns. And I could, I could be petty. I could be confrontational, but Mm. I'm not going to be. I'm going to take the high road because I actually, what what I want to do here is play for you um, what I thought was a really cool way that they handled it last night on the broadcast. I want to play what Troy Aikman said about Patrick Mahomes passing him in the all-time quarterback touchdown list. Now I'm going to play it again. I'm going to play it again. And I'm actually playing it. I've been playing it the whole show, actually. What? It's still playing. It will continue to play throughout the rest of your natural life, and you'll never know. Because there was nothing. We couldn't. This is honestly, yesterday was the first time that I really thought, boy, if I ever introduced myself to Troy Aikman, I sat next to him at the Super Bowl. He was about to do an interview. Didn't talk to him. If I ever have to introduce myself to Troy Aikman, last night was the first time that I thought he might have hands for me. This, he, this, this really might be if I say, "Hey, Troy, um, remember back in 2019 when uh, I, I would, I might be afraid, I might be more afraid for my life than Carl Sheffers was last night, <laughs> because because it does not seem to me that uh, Mr. Aikman has a tremendous sense of uh, humor about it or appreciation for what Patrick Mahomes has done at a very young age or the fact that, you know, I just picked a Hall of Fame quarterback at the time who, um, you know, didn't have as many touchdown passes as other Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I don't know how else to put it without offending anybody's sensibilities here. But we've done it. Our long national nightmare is over. Patrick Mahomes has eclipsed the Trey Aikman mark. I have one more thing that I would like to say. Go ahead. In 52.7% of the career games, Patrick Mahomes has 95.95% of Joe Namath's career touchdowns. (laughs) On to the next, baby! On to the next! That's right! Joe Namath, you're in my sights! More accurately, Patrick Mahomes' sights. I don't think we will ever be able to recreate what was the last couple of years of something truly chaotic happening around this wonderful, stupid podcast that we do. But it made me a little reflective over these last couple of days. It has made me really appreciate going back and finding the archives of where this show truly took a turn for somewhere very, very strange. Next up, it's Namath, I suppose. Um, I mean, there are actually other quarterbacks around there, but I'll, you know. He's at, no, I'll, he's, he's, he's at 50% of John Elway's touchdowns in like one-fifth of the time. One, hey, hey, one at a time. One day, hey, hey. One day at a time. Hey. Look, Broadway Joe is an excellent selection. He is still among us, but can we can we notify his 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 children? Can we notify Olivia Namath and Jessica Namath? Much like we had to, you know, notify Roger Maris's son <laughs> to be can, there. The- <laughs> can we? Can, can we? I don't know what Olivia and Jessica are doing, but. Can we can we bring them? Can we just have them start traveling like Roger Barris' son with Aaron Judge? Uh, I would That's- just like them to also maybe go ahead and join up with these other two names because I, I should mention you know next up in the quarterback list, uh, Patrick Mahomes has uh, now tied Brad Johnson and is three touchdowns behind John Kitna. Yes, two other quarterbacks with more career passing touchdowns than Troy. <laughs> <laughs> 